Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope Podcast. Yes, sir. Need I say, y'all know what time it is because it is the In The Scope podcast with your boy Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. And this show is special today because, not just because I have very, very special guests, but because of the scenery. I mean, guess what's going on right now? I had to. It's March Madness, baby. It's March Madness. One of the most ideal, iconic, lit seasons of our entire years. And I get to celebrate it because I got two gurus that are good at, you know, these type of things. But at the same time, it's just so much going on in Chicago right now. We got U of I and Illinois in general. You got U of I going on, going to the March Madness tournament. You got Loyola going to March Madness. You have the Bears being the Bears. <laughs> um, it's just all over the place right now. And I got the right people to break every last one of these topics down. We got Ricky O'Donnell. We got Ken Davis. Man, my brothers, especially you, Ken, big dog, big dog. What's happening, y'all? How y'all doing? And how y'all holding up with this busy, busy time period? Especially you, Ken. I got to give you the shout out because, you know, you're the new uh, host of the Undercitter podcast at NBC Sports Chicago. So I got to give you your mad props, mad respect, you know. Even you. Want, Love it. Congrats. It. Yeah, you truly deserve Thanks. it. You Thanks. Know, I could I could be one of the people that said I was with you in the trenches. So it's, oh, it's not, for sure, for sure, for sure. So for sure. Not, hey, we all in the trenches. I've never seen Ricky, but I know I know him through social media. Uh, <laughs> so I I know he's a down. He's he's down. I got one question for you, Josh. Is YouTube gonna let you run this with all that future that you was just running running on this bad boy? Because that may be an issue right there. Now you may know more about this than me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that. You're like, yeah, pull that down. Well, I uh, downloaded download the music legally through Apple Music, so therefore. Okay, you, okay, you got thank it, you got Apple. it. We're thank good. you, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listen, yeah, shout out, definitely. Make sure you check out the Under Center podcast also. That David's showing the flip. Wherever podcasts are, you know where to find NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, listen, here when it comes to the Bears, we just found out 
that cornerback Kyle Fuller was released, man, I was worried that that was going to happen. And I asked Adam Hogue this two days ago. I said that after looking at what the Bears are doing now and trying to go after a quarterback, will we be in a situation, because what we thought may happen with Kyle Fuller and Akeem Hicks, where they were going to be given new contracts to lower the cap hit this season. And I said, will they just release one of those guys? Because I was worried that it would be Kyle Fuller because of uh, uh, Jalen Johnson, right? And also because probably, you you look at it, uh, Ryan Pace may have the arrogance to believe, you know what, I can go out and find me a quarterback. That's not too difficult for me to do. Uh, but now you got two corner, you're going to have two quarterbacks that one at least has a year. Maybe if they go out, depending on if they use the guys that are already there with Builder and uh, forget the other backup corner that they have playing, it's uh, Valdor, I should say. Uh, but yeah, I'm concerned because Kyle Fuller last year only had one interception, but man, he plays so physical. I had never seen someone that old, and not like he's old, old, but later in his career, separating the man from the ball in the way that Kyle Fuller was trying to play last season. I, he he probably was my favorite defender last last year, just c- coming down how he was playing the cornerback position. Uh, so I wish I wish Kyle Fuller a lot. We all know from the ups and downs from when him and Vin Fenjo, Vic Fenjo didn't even like Kyle Fuller, didn't believe in Kyle Fuller uh, when he didn't come back from injury that year uh, to the Bears sitting there letting the, the Packers sign him and then them, them just taking that deal, oh, I mean, signing him to that deal that the Packers signed him to. Uh, so I, I definitely wish him the best, but it's shocking, especially with, I mean, it's going to be even worse if all we end up with is Andy Dalton. <laughs> so, listen, I mean, you talk about go big or go home. Uh, listen, if I, and I'll even put it like this, forget just Andy Dalton. If you give me going to give me Andy Dalton and Mac Jones, and I don't have just put insert any quarterback here with feet. All right. You know what I'm saying with that offensive line, but if you're gonna have motions, I mean, standing in the the pocket, Mac Jones there, and you know I'm roll tied all day. I think Mac Jones will, if he finds a good situation, be good in the pros. But I don't think this is that situation. And I know Ricky was talking about it before we joined here how we're all in the same band when it comes to our discuss what the Bears are doing. Um, I would say have faith, but how have they proven to us to have any faith? And I'll I'll say this part though, I will give them this caveat when it comes to defense, Ron Pace has hit more than he has missed, all right? But he has missed, all right? He let Kyle Fuller go. I mean, not Kyle Fuller. He let Leonard Floyd go, and we, Leonard Floyd went and got that contract. They could have signed Leonard Floyd to less money if you truly believed in how special he was, all right? Then you spent all that money on Robert Quinn, and you didn't get anything out of Robert Quinn last season. Uh, so it's it's just bad business when it comes to the Bears. And partially, it's funny because people like us, it provides us content and fodder to sit here and go back and forth about the team. But when you care about a team, it's still bad. And I mean, for us to be in Chicago, all, all different ages that we are, or just Chicago land and, and fans of this team, and for them to be this bad and never have had a quarterback in really my daddy's lifetime, all right? And my dad, my father would have been in his 70s by now, all right? Like, just really. Like, my dad used to tell me about Vince Evans and Bobby Douglas as a kid growing up, you know what I'm saying? And listen, he's it, those stories still weren't good stories because it wasn't like those two men were world beaters. He was just telling me about Bobby Douglas being able to run and break your fingers with his his hard throws and Vince Evans being one of the first black quarterbacks the Bears ever had. Uh, but still, it's just it's terrible right now if you're a Bears fan coming off two eight and eight seasons and uh, you, Mitch Trubisky dissed you. I mean, you dissed him, all right? You didn't want him back, but he really didn't want you back. And right now, and I'll let you guys jump in. I'm sorry for my rant. He looks like the better option right now. And that listen, that burns my lips saying that 
But <laughs> out of everything that you have in your quarterback room, he looks like the better option. Uh, and it's confounded by the fact that you could have had Andy Dalton for cheap last year, and now you're signing him to three times what the Cowboys signed him to. That was a beautiful rant. Thank you for that. <laughs> I needed that as an upset Bears fan these last few days. I felt like you were really speaking for all of Chicago when you said that. And yeah, I feel like, you know, our city, Chicago, it is a divided place in a lot of different ways on a lot of different things. But we have all come together to unanimously hate the Andy Dalton signing. And in a sense, it's kind of beautiful. It's the only thing our whole city can agree on is that we all absolutely hate the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy regime. And it's really unfortunate because it didn't have to be this way. It's like staying in a bad relationship when you could just cut the cord. The McCaskies easily could have fired Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy this year. What they could have done in that situation, get a new GM get a new head coach, and then you could take the players from a defense that's still pretty good, but I don't think it's at that elite 2018 level anymore, and you flip them, you trade them, you get draft picks, you reload to rebuild, and instead the Bears just couldn't pull the cord. They're going to try to make it better one more year, and you know what? It's not going to work. They have no ceiling on this team. Uh, the Dalton signing is just so incredibly uninspired. Like no one would even make that move in a Madden dynasty. That would never pass the sniff test. Never. Are you just going to sign Andy Dalton? No one would think that's a cool move, bro. But Ryan Pace did it. Uh, and you know, we could talk about like the Deshaun Watson rumors, the Russell Wilson rumors. That's not going to happen. This is what the bears are going into the year with. A quarterback room with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. Now, because they have both those guys, of course, Kenneth, thank you for saying that they could have signed Dalton last year when he signed a one-year, $3 million contract. Instead, they traded a fourth-round pick for yep. Foles and his gigantic contract. Now they can't find anyone to take Foles. So you have to cut Kyle Fuller, who's one of the best players on your defense, and really someone who, you know, I love Kyle Fuller. Like, he kind of went from, like, a bust to a stud, mm -hmm. like, four right. years into his career. The Packers signed him to the offer sheet. The Bears responded. And the report today was that the Bears offered to, like, give him a massive pay cut, and he basically just said no. Good for Kyle Fuller. Don't take your right. pay cut. You're awesome, right. Kyle Fuller. You totally remade your career. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Fuller was, like, one of those guys who his value would show up in, like, interception statistics because mostly he was good at just, like, keeping everything in front of him, limiting the big plays. He wasn't like the flashiest player in the world, but he was reliable as hell. Mm -hmm. And he was just like a solid veteran and one of really the, one of the backbones of the defense uh, when you have to play Aaron Rodgers twice a year and, you know, some other pretty good quarterbacks too. So uh, I think it's a disaster for the Bears. I think that there's just no upside, but here's what I'm telling myself. I don't know about you guys. What I was a little bit worried about was that they would trade a bunch of future picks, and I'm still worried about this for an ultimately doomed situation. Russell Wilson probably would have been a different story because he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. Uh, but if they just fire pace next year and we just have to like basically simulate through this year, then I guess I'm fine with it <laughs> because like, next year is going to suck. It's going to suck <laughs> and then fire him. And then I don't want him to handicap the next GM. Exactly. Like, I don't want him to trade a bunch of picks to get Mac Jones in the draft like we need a clean breakup it should have happened last year the mccaskies were either too cheap or too aloof to realize that they needed to fire them 
And now we're just stuck in this no ceiling situation where it's like, come on, dude. Like Andy Dalton is what you're giving us. And you're taking away one of the best players on the defense and you're setting yourself up for future salary cap. Hell. And you still got Nick Foles. Come on, bro. Just lose his job. Yeah. It's, it's, this is so bad. And, it, and it's really literally because of the beginning of how all this went down. You literally chose Mitch over Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes in the same draft. You you chose someone. You you chose a, pretty much to me at the time. I thought was a Jake another version of a Jay Cutler with some with with the with these top tier talents that are thriving now. Obviously, as much as I love Deshaun Watson, you know he's a little, he's, a, he's a bit of a pickle right now. So I don't know if I don't want to go down that alley right now. I don't Jay. know if we need that in the city. I don't know if we All need right. that right now in the city. Know. Yeah, keep our masseuses safe up here right now, how things are looking for Deshaun Watson. Just facts. All right? It's not looking good. You know what I'm saying? It's not looking yeah. good. So, listen, the funny thing is, now Mitch is like, oh, yeah, y'all still talking about Deshaun Watson stuff, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, say what you will about Mitch. He's a very nice boy. I don't think he's a very good quarterback, but he seems like a nice enough guy. I don't know. <laughs> you wanted him? You really wanted him? Like, oh, my goodness. Listen, you couldn't even touch him right now. Look, look if you could get a trade for him. Look, that's Listen, you know who's so upset with what, what's going on with Deshaun Watson? <laughs> Ryan Pace. Because he knows he can't get him. It's like, I want him, but, man, I'm already on the hot seat. If I bring him here with this stuff not – the, the lawyer said that it's nine plaintiffs coming down? Oh, lordy, 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 lordy. So, yeah, the, Deshaun Watson, we may as well just stop mentioning him in that 2017 <laughs> draft for right now. It's, he's on pause for right now, man. Patrick Mahomes and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, but even, even the disparities when you say that, it's just so, oh, my God, it's so drastic. But – but it, it, it literally starts from there, leading all the way up to this and the offensive side of the offensive side of the ball. Because you know you don't get the right quarterback still. You go after Mike Glennon, you go after Nick Foles, take on these stupid big contracts for both players on top of that, and then you sign Andy Dalton three like you mentioned three times what he was worth even with Dallas last year, mm-hmm. and he played backup supposed and he was and he was the backup prior he to had you know, more, he had better weapons too. And he had better weapons. Failed. So you talking about that entire situation, bringing him, him, bringing him here to make him your number one starter and paying him three times what he was worth. And not to mention, you don't even have the talent to to, to, to place him with. You're not even, you already made it known you're not going to bring back A-Rob after this year because A-Rob's not even signed into his full contract. So it's like, what are we doing? It's literally, it's literally you're just looking like, what in the world are we doing? And obviously, the NFL is gonna keep winning because you because uh, you know they got that new TV money. But uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I, I, I hope they don't put Chicago on prime time because this is gonna be a disaster. Well, dude, you better you just get ready for this disaster. I'll say this too to go around with the Allen Robinson situation. I don't know if if a Rob is just gonna be here next year. I mean, just here on this play that that the, the tag and then he's gonna leave. Like I don't know. I can't say I know for sure. But they did. We did find out today that the Bears talk to former Lions receiver uh, Galladay, right? Kenny Galladay, which, I mean, if you sit there and you think about Galladay versus, like, Allen Robson, look, I'll say this. I was like, wait, so is the plan to have two competent receivers and then you got Mooney as your slot guy? 
which wouldn't be bad. But if you're saying, I'm going to let A-Rob go, Allen Robinson go, and place him with injury-prone injury prone Ken, Kenny Galladay, that's an issue. And on top of it, I mean, I know two years ago, Kenny Galladay led the league in uh, TDs, but he was also getting thrown the ball thrown to him by Matthew Stafford. All right, and not you know you're sitting here Andy Dalton, but still, if you talk, if I had the two, I would choose a Rob because one, he's healthier. And I feel like he can do more than than what Galladay can do, even though Galladay's touchdowns numbers two years ago were ridiculous. Yeah, Galladay's a Saint Rita boy, right? I think he's a front local guy, so mm-hmm. that would be a great signing. Yeah, like give me some playmakers because that's the thing with this Bears team. Like even when they were going after Wilson, I personally did not feel like they were a quarterback away. I still thought it was a flawed team in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think they had enough playmaking talent at wide receiver. I don't think they had enough at tight end, quite frankly. I thought the offensive line was lacking. And the coaching, I think, is definitely lacking, too. Uh, so the Bears were a boat with a lot of holes in it. And they <laughs> might have acted like, you know, there was going to be one magic cure for all their problems. And they might have wanted to trade three first-round picks Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks or whatever their offer was for Russell Wilson, but it wasn't going to be enough. And Mm -hmm. it's just so unfortunate that they couldn't be self-aware. Like it's okay. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Like what Josh said about the whole, this whole regime being doomed by the Trubisky pick is dead on. Like basically they spent all their money on the defensive side of the ball with the thought that they were going to get a quarterback for cheap on a rookie scale contract who was going to perform like, you know, a good quarterback that didn't happen. So now you just have that problem compounded by more and more problems. When they try to find a veteran fix with Foles, try to find a veteran fix with Dalton. Now you're in salary cap hell. Now you got to cut one of your best players you've drafted in the last decade, probably. Uh, so it's just like one mistake after another, and it really doesn't have to be this hard. It doesn't have to be this complicated. Just fire up. Yeah. They have no upside anyway. They have no ceiling. Are any of us going to go into next year being like, yeah, we're hyped for Andy Dalton. Let's go. No. Like <laughs> their ceiling is eight wins, and that would be bad because we just want a high draft pick next year. And we're sitting here, what, six months out from football or whatever we are? And it already feels like it's doomed. Mm. So Bears, mm. I mean, why? They just never change. It's been the same problem for 100 years. They can't evaluate yeah. a quarterback. And they hired a guy who's worse at it than anyone they've ever had. He blew it with Mike Glennon. He blew it with Trubisky. He blew it with Nick Foles. Nick Foles. And everyone hates Andy Dalton before he even says hello. I, you know, added to that, you said this earlier, Ricky, that that, that bothers me too. And it's with the Russell Wilson situation, acting as if Russell Wilson coming here was going to mean we were going to go to the Super Bowl after all the capital you had to give up. And I, I've said this too, time and time again. I like draft capital. You know what I'm saying? It, I, I do. And it's this is it's, this is another part of how sorry this city is when it comes to the Bears. We have to look forward to the draft because you are providing us something during the season consistently to look forward to. And then what the draft does is it gives you hope because you don't people don't hit on first rounders like that. Even the great GMs don't just nail down first rounders. But when you're telling me that and we all know there needs to be a new regime that you're going to sit there and hamstring the new re- the next regime by what this regime was going to do to try to save face. And we know that it wouldn't work whatever they were going to do. So th- that to me, like I'll, I'll be happy if, and this is going to sound terrible, depending on how, how they could go up in this draft. Cause I don't think they have the equity to get 
Zach Wilson. Because that's 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 where you gotta get. If you're really being honest about, listen, I, me and Ryan have been friends for Trey Lance for two years. I'm feeling for Trey Lance for two years. But I'll tell you this: he's a project. All right. If you even watched his pro day, uh, he's inaccurate. Receivers had to basically slow down their routes. Uh, this isn't that he's not a, a day one guy. All right. We already know with Fields that the, the look that you got from Fields this year, as far as him moving off from his second target to his third, if you can get him right there, you can have him. All right. And we've talked about Matt Jones at the beginning. So you're telling me that you're going to trade away probably two, two to three first rounders. Cause you, who am I? Who's going to take like, listen, you're, you're sitting at six, right? Let me give you number 20 and then let me give you a pick from next year. It's like, that's not sexy enough for me to sit here and let you move all the way up here. You know, like the teams want to move down. They don't want to move to the back end of the draft, basically. Uh, so th you're in a situation where they're going to try to do something big, it seems like. And they're going to sit there and hamstring the next regime. And that's where I'm upset. I'm fine if they just go into the season like this, draft a tackle at 20. You know what I'm saying? Like, just it's not sexy, but built from the trenches. You know what I'm saying? And that way, as you were saying, Ricky, when these guys are let go, at least there can be some foundational pieces still here that the next regime can, can use and not have to use their draft equity to go after a said tackle or, or said cornerback or something in that type of situation. Because, and that's sad. We're we're still at the point and we're we're waiting for who's next up because we already know the people that are in there right now are failures. Uh, I got a question for you, just to throw it out there. Like, basically, from the perspective of at least they didn't burn future draft capital on the QB problem yet. I mean, they still might trade up and try to get the fourth or fifth best quarterback in this draft. I think that's on the table and we should still be worried about it. Uh, but if you're going to do this like band-aid thing, Dalton just gives you no ceiling. So like, why not go get Ryan Fitzpatrick or maybe even Tyrod Taylor or just like anyone who's not Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton spiritually has been a Bears quarterback his entire career. Throw short <laughs> passes. Like he's not very inspiring. He's not going to lead his team on any great comebacks. He's like, it seems like he's just every Bears quarterback we've ever had, right? Like he could be any of these guys. Jonathan Quinn, Moses Moreno, Come Shane on, Matthews. I know a bad Bears quarterback when I see one. And Andy Dalton's going to be a bad Bears quarterback. There's just no upside. Like, give me Fitzpatrick if you're going to do this. Or Tyrod. You know what, though, Ricky? And I'll say this as far as Fitzpatrick. He probably didn't want to come here. It's like, let me let me look. Wait, the, the GM's in trouble. Washington's the a better spot. Yeah, they got their defense right now. Their defense is better than our defense. Right? So it's like, you know what? I'd rather go here. I'm clearly the star. And also, this is another thing with the Bears, too. Those quarterbacks know the Bears are looking for a quarterback, not and not a, a backup quarterback. That so you may end up you may end up getting Mike Glennon if you sign here. As far as what we're talking about with Andy Dalton, where Mike Glennon is sitting there draft night, uh, thinking everything is cool, and then they're like, "Oh, with the second pick in the draft, the Bears select from uh, North Carolina, Mitchell Trubisky," and his long neck and his mouth just drops. Like you. You may get Glennon so that those players don't want to come here when someone's telling them, look, Tyrod has the opportunity to start or he knows he's the backup. Listen, Fitzmagic knows he's starting, you know, so I don't have to worry about let me go to the Chicago and then them trying to Glennon me. So I, I think one is not as attractive could be a reason perhaps why those people, don't, they didn't come here. But again, Ryan Pace may not want uh, a Fitzmagic. I'm with you. I would have I would have been all right with him for a year. I, I, I we know what it really is, but it's like it's so bad around here. Just give us a little magic too, you know, just yeah. a sprinkle of, just a sprinkle of it. Only magic that I need and that the city needs is Sierra. 
everybody listening right now, you're listening to Ken Davis and Ricky O'Donnell. Um, transition from this bear stuff, man, because obviously uh, this bear stuff is just a headache. I want to go into something more fun, which is March Madness. Obviously, March Madness is going on. It's a lot of um, a lot of hype around it this year, especially with the you know with the, not having a tournament last year with the pandemic and everything. Now we're having it again this year in a bubble like scenery. Um, and this year it's a lot of top talent, especially the Big Ten. The Big Ten has flooded this March Madness tournament um, from a representation perspective, and rightfully so. And it includes U of I, um, which is a team that's you know what that has a player of the year in Io Desunu. Um, you have Kofi Col- Coburn, another NBA potential pro player. And just that story overall as a whole has been very, very intriguing with the U of I team and how they bounced back from last year and their growth development to this year. Um, Ricky, you did a you did a, a nice article on interviewing Io and his family. Talk about what was it like to talk to Io and really even go back to his story about how he even got to U of I and how much that really changed the dynamics of recruiting for the program. Totally. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, if you followed Illini basketball over the last 15 years, since their final four run led by D Brown, Darren Williams, Luther had James Augustine, Roger Powell, you can go down the line. Remember Nick Smith? He was the goofy seven foot two guy. Uh, the story since then is that they just haven't been able to land these big recruits. And we all remember those guys, Cliff Alexander picking up the Illinois hat before he set it down. He picked it up by accident, then picks up the Kansas hat. He's going to Kansas. They missed on John Shire, even though Bruce Weber's brother was his high school coach. They missed on Sharon Collins. They missed on Eric Gordon uh, is someone who was outside of the state. Of course, they missed on Jabari Parker, Julia Locafor, all those guys who were just like basically too good for Illinois for that like elite tier. Uh, and then they missed on guys like Jalen Brunson, who were like, you know, low-end McDonald's All-Americans in their backyard. But finally, they got one. And they got Io. And most importantly, they got him to stay three years. So when Io entered Illinois, I thought he was going to have a chance to be a one-and-done. Uh, he did not have a great freshman season by the numbers, but still typically like the NBA wants you when you're at your youngest. Uh but he decided to come back and he had a really good sophomore year in talking to his dad and talking to him. I think he probably would have turned pro last season after last season. If there wasn't a pandemic NCAA tournament gets canceled. We didn't really know what was going to happen with the draft combine. We didn't really know what was going to happen with the G league. So IO came back to school and I think it was honestly, I'm always in favor of guys leaving and getting their money. Never Is he frozen on your side? I have no idea. I'm not frozen, though, am I? No, nah, you're good. And you're not frozen. But, yeah, I want to ask Ricky, too, uh, when he unfreezes about the article and about the relationship. Oh, go ahead, Ricky. Sorry, I think we just lost connection there. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you know, I always had an amazing year. He's become one of the best players in college basketball. You could say he's probably the second best guard or maybe the best guard. I would say, you know, Cade Cunningham was going to be the first pick in the draft in Oklahoma State. Is the best player, but you know, you got Luca Garza, you got Io DeSumo. So he's probably the best junior in the country. He's one of the best guards in the country, first team All American. Uh, and you know, this is the kind of impact I think Illinois fans always wanted 
those big recruits to have. Like if you finally get the big recruit, they can transform the program and lead you back to where the fan base believes they should be, which is competing deep within the NCAA tournament every year. In reality, they haven't made the tournament since 2013. They're only in it this year because they got Io. Io stayed three years. And then they were able to land a big man in Kofi Coburn by way of Jamaica, I believe, out of New York. Why Kofi chose to spend his college years in Champaign, Illinois, I don't know. Can't really tell you. But he's awesome. He's an absolute monster. He went toe-to-toe with Luca Garza, the presumptive national player of the year from Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. And he whooped him. He whooped him up and down the court. There was no doubt Kofi was the better player in that matchup. Uh, I think Illinois has sort of remolded their offensive and defensive schemes to fit their talent in a really smart way. They basically run four guards in Kofi. They spread the floor with shooters. And they run high pick and roll with Io. So you got the Io-Kofi pick and roll. Everyone around them, you got DeMonte Williams. Frank Williams' son is a senior on Illinois. I'm not that old of a guy. I'm in my early to mid-30s, but nothing makes me feel older than Frank Williams' son being a senior on Illinois. DeMonte Williams, good role player. Not not an NBA player, but he's a solid college player. You know, he's a solid fourth, fifth best guy in a good college team. You got Trent Frazier, another senior, another little guard, shot maker. You got another Morgan Park kid from the city, actually from Peoria, then transferred to play in the city for Nick Irvin at Morgan Park. That would be Adam Miller, who's a freshman. And then you have the most exciting man in college basketball today, Andre Curbelo, the freshman from, I believe, Puerto Rico, I believe. Uh, Also, I think out of the East Coast. Curbelo is amazing. He's the magic man. And they just actually built a really good team almost overnight over a couple of years. And I think that this team is absolutely legit. And, you know, they wouldn't be this good if Io had left last year or had left after his freshman year. They wouldn't have been this good if they couldn't have landed Kofi. But everything just worked out, and they have an absolutely legit team heading into this tournament, top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, won the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 2005, get a number one seed in the bracket, They're number three in the final AP poll. It's a good team. Very good. I think they got a tough draw in the Midwest region. We could talk about that a little bit if we want to. They're going to have some tough potential matchups on that road. But they did it. They brought Illinois basketball back. I didn't know if we'd ever see the day. I, you know, sometimes I thought the Illinois fan base was a little delusional. I thought, you know, maybe you, you know, your record, you are what your record says you are. You don't go to the NCAA tournament. You get passed over by all the good recruits. The program lost a lot of shine, but they're back and they built a great team. And I think this team's absolutely good enough to go to the final four and win the whole thing. Ricky, let me ask you this. How sustainable is this? Uh, again, you got you have the freshmen, you have Cabela. So we expect at least next year they should be somewhat good, even though you would think Kofi and IU are going to leave. It, it's, is this going to be trending to where you know, I don't know this East Coast pipeline that they got. Hopefully the boosters, they got their booster games together. But is this going to trend to where we can start seeing, if not every season, at least maybe every other season's Illinois in a dance? Is this going to bring more – do you think this is going to bring more players? Because if you go back to the Luther head, Deron Williams, 
the Brown team, you would have thought the amount of joy that people had from that team would have ignited uh, this this sleeping, I want to say a, a sleeping dog, but it would have ignited the Illinois fan base and more people from the city alone would have gone back, gone to that school uh, to be sim- to do what those players did. So what do you, you think as far as, is this sustainable, uh, uh, Illinois being a, a final four, not say a final four, let's just say a sweet 16 team. Is this sustainable? Uh, it all depends on recruiting, you know? Are they going to land the next Io DeSumo? You know, the next best guard in Chicago who's a high four-star, low five-star prospect? So it's tough. I mean, college basketball is almost one of the toughest sports to build a winner in. Because, like, you know, Kofi Coburn was not a sleeper. Every school in the country wanted Kofi Coburn. Only one school was going to get him. So people are, like, giving Illinois credit for, like, identifying him. Everyone knew who he was. I saw him play in high school on the EYBL, which is the Nike AAU circuit. Guy was a stud. He's a monster. Just look at him. You know he's going to dominate college. He's a guy who I actually don't really think is going to have a place in the NBA because what he's good at, the NBA is devalued. And what he is bad at or where he's lacking is, like, has become the most important stuff, which is basically can you defend a pick and roll in space? It's tough. Can you switch off? Yeah, yeah so like, when I see him, I think the same thing. I'm like, oh, he can't switch up. He's going to be in trouble in the pros. I, I'm happy you said that. Yeah, but you know what? Whatever. He's an awesome college basketball player. He's a total monster. Put four shooters around him and no one's going to stop the guy. So I don't know if it's sustainable. I think it all comes down to recruiting. And I think next year they should be pretty good if Curbelo comes back and they have Adam Miller as a sophomore. Uh, but, you know, they're going to lose Frazier. They're going to lose Williams. They're going to lose Io. I assume they're going to lose Kofi, but... You know, maybe they could find a way to keep them somehow. So, you know, however that may be done. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just going to come down to recruiting. And next year, they have one recruit. They got a 6'7 small forward who was, like, ranked number 97 in the recruiting rankings, which is a good recruit for them, I would say. But, like, those are the guys who typically get good their junior, senior year. So, I think I'm blanking on his name. It might be, like, Luke Good or something. But he's not someone who's going to like make a big impact next season. I don't think the other thing about college basketball these days is that the transfer market is just bananas. So is Illinois going to be able to go out and like get a stud transfer from somewhere else? Who's leaving one of these other programs. Uh, And, you know, the final thing I'll say is that, you know, we think that Illinois basketball, you know, can they be a potential sweet 16 team perennial sweet 16 team? Well, look at this year. Duke didn't make the NCAA tournament. Kentucky didn't make the NCAA tournament. Carolina snuck in as a nine seed. Arizona was just a mess. So uh, it's hard, man. I think that, you know, it comes down to recruiting. It comes down to just getting it done. And they got it done with this team. I don't know how they did. They're totally legit. And yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch them. I think it's going to be a pressure packed run. But I look at that region and. I think Gonzaga's better than Illinois. I don't know if anyone else is. I mean, Baylor did beat them pretty handily earlier in the year. But, uh, you know, no one's going to have a good matchup for Kofi. I just don't really see another center that can match his power. And, you know, it's going to be an advantage for them. It's going to come down to, can Io really take over? He's going to have a lot of pressure on him. I think if he has a big tournament run... He might be a top 20 pick, maybe. I would say personally, like as someone who covers the NBA draft for SB Nation as well, I'm not super high on him as an NBA player, but I think he's an amazing college guard. He's everything you want out of a college guard, 6'5", 
pretty good vision, got way better every year. 40% three-point shooter this year on low volume. Not it's not an amazing shooter, but he's gotten better. He's worked his ass off, which is one thing everyone will tell you about him. He has a sterling work ethic. I think the NBA will like that. Uh, the interview I had with him, he seemed like a very cool guy. He was very gracious, seemed, you know, uh, thoughtful and all that. So uh, it's it's going to be a fun run. And, you know, especially because they could potentially play Loyola in the second round. And I can't remember the last time we've had two Illinois schools matching up in the NCAA tournament. That would be really fun. Yeah, I want to I want to harp on the recruitment aspect of it, because like you mentioned um Earlier, I.O. really changed the game of actually keeping Chicago talent in Chicago, or at least in the state of Illinois. And that's something that even Chicago schools have a, have a struggle with, is keeping top-tier talent to play for their uh, respective city, c- cities. I mean, DePaul is one of them. Um, and U of I being one of those top-tier Big Ten programs that struggle to keep Chicago talent or Illinois talent. How much of an impact do you believe I.O. has made in showing that Chicago talent you know, going to a U of I or going to a school in Chicago or Illinois, you can still have a big impact at those type of schools, including your draft, including your dra- actual draft status uh, for the for the long term. If you want to go out that route or, you know, or, or if you're trying to go earlier, you know, it still could be a valuable option. How much of an impact do you think IO's uh, recruiting recruitment to U of I and him developing over the past three years really helped at Illinois in the long run when it comes to recruiting Illinois or Chicago talent? We'll see. That's all I can really say. Like, it's just going to come down to the next kid. Like, if you were the, one of the time, I know you were a high school player, Josh, right? If you were a four-star recruit and you could go to Illinois or Kansas, where are you going to go? It's like, you know, it's tough. You can only go to one school. So uh, we'll see. I don't know. Who's, who's the next great player in the city right now? I know there's, you know, always a strong pipeline of Chicago high school basketball talent. I don't know if we've really crowned a guy in the city as the next big thing yet. At least I'm not aware if we have. I don't know if you guys know. But, you know, is that kid going to go to Illinois? We'll see. Maybe he will be uh, intrigued by Io's rise. And if they go to the Final Four this year, which I think they're good enough to do, uh, maybe that'll, you know, keep the program sustainable. But really, I think it's a case-by-case basis. And that is why it's so tough to build a good college basketball team. You're at the whim of a kid. All the offers are kind of similar. They can't offer you any money on the table. So, <laughs> tough, you know, <laughs> let me ask you this, Ricky, uh, I'm sure. And I'm going to have them when I fill out my bracket tonight or in the morning. I'm sure you got, you have Illinois and Gonzaga in your final four. Who's the other two teams you have in your final four? So, and who do you have winning it all? Honestly, I didn't put Illinois. Uh, I have Illinois losing in the Sweet 16 to Cade Cunningham in Oklahoma State. Uh, and the reason I did that, and I did it like I was telling you guys, I do the instant bracket pick. So I have to like get my bracket predictions up really quick and publish them on SB Nation. I didn't want to choose all number one seeds. I feel like as the guy who's doing the bracket predictions, like you see Obama's bracket today, Obama took four number one seeds. Come on, Obama. You can't take four number one seeds in your bracket. He's a chalk guy. You know he's a he's chalk, a chalk guy. guy. I didn't want to be a chalk guy. So I took Baylor. I took Gonzaga. I was like, I don't really want to take a fourth or third number one seed. So I took Oklahoma State. I think Cade Cunningham is like stud. He's only a freshman. Garza's going to win player of the year, but like, give me a break. Cade Cunningham is the best player in college basketball. He's a star in the making. Six foot eight point guard. Uh, I would do anything to get him on the Bulls. You know, if the Bulls could get him, 
they would finally be going up again, but uh, they would have to play him in the Sweet 16, most likely, unless they lose. And Oklahoma State could lose. He doesn't have a great supporting cast. Uh, Cade's been in takeover mode, but, you know, we see upsets all the time in March Madness. So my my final four was Gonzaga, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Alabama. So those mm. were my four. And then I had Gonzaga over Baylor in the title game. Uh, I don't feel great about my picks. I do feel pretty good about Gonzaga, though. I think Gonzaga's awesome. With that being said, they're undefeated. They're 26-0. and 0. No team has ended the NCAA tournament as undefeated national champion since Indiana in 1976. That was Bobby Knight. They had a Chicago guy on that team by the name of Quinn Buckner, I believe. Uh, one of the great guys out of Chicago from the 70s. And, you know, it's just tough to do. Like, I was covering the 2015 tournament when Kentucky had Carl Towns, Devin Booker, Tyler Ulis, the Harrisons, Trey Lyles, Willie Cauley-Stein. They were undefeated, and they lost to Frank Kaminsky in Wisconsin. So, you know, it's really hard to run the table if you're Gonzaga. That's why the tournament's so fun. It's single elimination format. I think Gonzaga's the best team. I think Gonzaga might really be a historically good team. But we'll see. This is why we love March Madness. Just roll the ball out and let's go. I hope if Illinois does face uh, Oklahoma State, they employ what Bob Huggins did and West Virginia did against them, how they doubled Cunningham to get the ball out of his hands. And he didn't make a lot of good decisions early on in that game because that's like the only way that I can can see him going down. Uh, I don't, And it's like I watched – he's the guy I've been watching the majority of this year, like since he's the chosen one. I've watched him. But sometimes, and I get why, the Luka Doncic comparisons are like so low down. And the only reason totally. I say that yeah. is because I don't. One thing I think you, we we saw last year, like Luka Doncic is a man, man. Like he's so I don't say swole like he's he's country strong is what I should say. He's country strong. Like that guy can <laughs> knock you off. But when you saw what he did against the Clippers, two premier wing defenders, you know, like that's putting a lot on a young man. And I don't see I get the skill set of people saying that. But one of Luca's biggest assets is his strength. And I don't see that in Kay Cunningham. So, yeah, I hope Illinois uses what oh Cincinnati Bob. I know he's in West Virginia, how they played against Kay Cunningham, because they were really getting at him in that game uh, in the tourney uh, in the tournament. I mean, yeah. in the, um, the, the playoffs. And, like, uh, now Cade's been shooting a bunch of threes, and he's been shooting them awesome. That was, like, supposed to be one of his question marks coming into college. Would he be able to shoot threes? He's been amazing, actually. But I feel like if he has one bad shooting game, Oklahoma State's going to be toast because mm -hmm. no one else on that team can shoot. They don't even take threes, let alone make them. They really don't have another guy who can hit a shot. What they have is a bunch of guys who are, like, Remember Jerome Williams, the junkyard dog? They got a lot of junkyard dog types. Guys who are like good rebounders, good hustle guys, good defensive guys, but they're like grinders. They're not like three-point shot makers. They're not, you know, above-the-rim athletes. They're just going to like grind it out. But then they got the star in Cunningham. And yeah, you know, I went into this year thinking that Cunningham might be on the Luka level. I don't know if he is like maybe is a number one overall pick. He's like Carl Towns level, uh, but I still think he's going to be really awesome. And the fact that he just plays the most important position, which is like that wing initiator, like, you know, the point guard spot has changed so much just over the last few years. Last season, LeBron led the league in assists and Doncic was too. And they're both like six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, whatever it is. Uh, 
So, yeah, I just think that like that's sort of the appeal of Cunningham is to just have a guy who's that big. And the thing about him is he's good on defense, too. Like, he's going to be able to guard wings and play point guard on offense, and he can shoot now. So, to me, he looks good. Uh, but I agree that oftentimes we get way, way, way too optimistic about player comparisons. If you were to take every draft class and just list the guys off their player comparisons, there'd be 10 Hall of Famers in every draft, right? And it just like <laughs> doesn't work out that way ever. So we'll see. I think he's legit. But uh, <laughs> Illinois, be- they're a better team than Oklahoma State. Even if Cade's the best player, Illinois is a better team. I actually think Loyola is going to have a chance against Illinois. Mm-hmm. Loyola is loaded. Loyola is a top 10 team in two of the efficiency algorithms on KenPom.com. They have the number one defense in the country. They got two starters from that final four team that are now seniors. Cameron Krautwig, he's a center from Jacobs High School. Diehard Bears fan. You should get him on the podcast, Ken. Get him on your Bears podcast. I interviewed him. <laughs> I did a story and... He like asked Porter Moser to change practice time so we could watch Bears games. I asked him who he wanted to be the Bears quarterback when I interviewed him two weeks ago before they signed Dalton. And he's like, you know what? I'm a Jameis guy. Give me Jameis. He went on this big rant about why I love Jameis. Uh, So he's a cool guy. He's got a mustache. He's like a goofy, chubby white guy who should probably be an offensive tackle. But instead, he's like a really good college basketball senior. You know, he's strong. Most of the mid-majors don't have a center who's 6'9", 260, and can pass really well, which he can do, and has a good post game. So he's like a throwback, uh, sort of an old-school player, fun to watch. And around him, Loyola has a Chicago kid from Whitney Young High School, Lucas Williamson. He was uh, another contributor on their Final Four team. He's a senior now. Uh, He's also a stud. He's awesome. He's one of the best wings in that conference. He was Defensive Player of the Year in the Missouri Valley. Uh, You know, 6'4", 6'5", long arms, Strong as hell, great defensive player, can drive, can kind of hit a shot. So Loyola's legit. They got some shooters around him. They got a New Mexico transfer. Uh, Uguac, I think his name is, who's a pretty good like 6'7", 6'8", athlete. Loyola's good. I think that if Loyola and Illinois played a seven-game series, like an NBA playoff series, I'm tempted to say Illinois in six. I think Loyola could get him a couple times. The issue, though, is that Illinois is a bad matchup for Loyola because of Kofi. In most of these matchups, Krutwig is like the best center on the floor. But Krutwig's not going to be able to handle Kofi. Kofi's just at another level. He's just too big and too strong and too fast. So I don't think it's a great matchup for Loyola. It would be a really fun game for the city, wouldn't it? Like That would be the most Chicago has ever cared about a college basketball game if we had Illinois versus Loyola. That would be fun. Uh so we'll see. I was bummed out that they're in the same region. I thought, you know, I hate it. Sister Jean said she hated it too. Why do we got to play each other? Like, let's put them in different regions. I think Loyola could have really gone on a deep run this year. But the eight seed is like the worst seed to get because then you got to play the one seed in the second round. And Loyola has to play the ACC tournament champs, Georgia Tech, in the first round. Could Loyola have won the ACC tournament? I mean... It's a big question to ask of any mid-major like them, right? So Loyola is legit, though. They're a very good defensive team. They still got two key pieces from the Final Four team. They got a couple designated shooters. They got a couple transfers. So I like Loyola. They're fun to watch. If you haven't watched Loyola yet, watch them against Georgia Tech. They're cool. They're legit really good. Yeah, I have a... 
when you talk about the overall bracket, I have, you know, Illinois and Loyola matching up against each other. And of course I have Illinois winning because they're just a better team, but this, I'm really interested to see what these, what the upsets are going to be in this draft or in, or in this March Madness, man. I think for me personally, my, my final four per se, I do have Gonzaga um, and U of I in there, but I also have Michigan and Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to sneak in there and do and do their thing because they because they even then when they, even in the Big Ten championship they gave Illinois a run for their money in that overtime win and you know they get Ohio State could have easily took took that uh that championship so I'm definitely going to keep an eye on them and I think they'll be able to sneak through I still have Michigan even though right now they're missing their best player in Lyles but I think eventually he's going to come back I think he's going to somehow make a comeback and it's going to be just enough to get them through um and. I, and, and I guess one of the matchups that I'm really looking forward to on their way to the Final Four is the matchup, which I hope happens, is Juwan Howard versus Patrick Ewing. You got the alma maters coaching each, at each other's schools, going against each other, especially Georgetown. Georgetown was literally a Cinderella story when you talk about the Big East tournament as a whole, from where they came from to winning the whole thing. And they're, they're, they're on a hot streak right now. They're hot right when the moment in the right moment. So, um. This is why this is why we love March Madness, right? You get the Cinderella stories, you get the 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 all the, the breaking events that take place, the the aura, all that stuff. So I'm excited to see what March Madness is going to be looking like, and I do have U of I winning it all in my bracket. Um, that, that I think they're going, I think they're going to pull off the upset against Gonzaga by a smidget. It's going to be, I think I had that final score like 66 to 63. It's going to be like a kind of a small, small, more defensive game. Um, overall, but yeah, Gonzaga's no joke. Gonzaga's no joke. They really could do this thing and be undefeated throughout this whole process. I'm really, really excited to see where this thing goes. Um, I want to touch on just two more topics real quick. First, the first one though is, I guess Ricky, you're 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 pretty much really nationwide on top of what you do at SB Nation because uh, article from the Washington Post came out about you know. Of this called a furloughed sports writer spawned a college basketball dynasty. You made a video game with Western Illinois. Like go more more in depth on how that of how your original work came into play and how did the Washington Post pick up on this? Yeah, that was really bizarre. The Washington Post reached out to me to do a story on my goofy video game series, and I was like. Uh, okay. And I talked to them and I didn't know if they were actually going to write a story on it. And they published it today. And it's very strange to be the subject of the interview. Uh, but I don't know. It was, it was weird. I feel a little embarrassed by it to be totally honest, but it's cool, I guess. Uh, so basically when, uh, yeah, rookie. <laughs> when, uh, the pandemic hit March madness was canceled. I was all gearing up to cover March madness doing podcast appearances like this and then it got canceled and so i'm a sports writer and i'm like what the hell am i gonna write about there's no sports so i dusted off my favorite video game of all time college hoops 2k8 it's got greg odin on the cover it's got d rose at memphis <laughs> it's got russell westbrook and kevin love at ucla and one of the modes in that game is like a dynasty mode that is really awesome and they haven't made any other college basketball video games because of the O'Bannon lawsuit uh 2k sports like everyone loves nba 2k this is the last college 2k game so you start off as a coach at the at one of these like one star prestige schools and you can take a bunch of small schools but the only local option is western illinois 
So my idea was that I was going to take Western Illinois and I wasn't going to play any of the games. I'm going to simulate every game, but I'm going to do the recruiting and I'm going to edit the line, like, you know, manage the lineups and the coaching strategies, simulate every game. And my idea was, can the worst program in college basketball win a national championship? And so, you know, basically I had played the game and I would take a bunch of photos of my TV with my phone. And then I would like put them in the story and I would write up these seasons. And when I wrote the first one, I tweeted out, got a really dumb idea. I got something stupid coming. And that was my first tweet selling this. And then I published the first story the next day. Didn't know if anyone would read it. Didn't know if anyone would be into it. And yeah, kind of caught on last year around this time when uh, the tournament was canceled. And at one point in year eight, so in year seven, this is really the backstory. We won our first tournament game. We're in the second round playing NC State. And NC State hit like a half court buzzer beater to beat us. And that was sort of the last post I wrote on SB Nation. And then uh, I said, you know, if you guys want to sign up, if you want to follow along for updates on this series, give me your email address and I'll start a sub stack and email it to you. And 7,000 people signed up. <laughs> so then I kept doing it. And we won the next year in year eight. We did a Twitch stream. It's the first time I Twitch streamed it. I'd never used Twitch before. I was streaming it off my phone. So I didn't even have a professional setup. I still don't. And we won the championship. And it was kind of goofy. And it was super fun. There was like 7,000 people who watched it or something. 2,000 people at one time. And uh, I've still been doing it. So I still just write up every season and in the game, you get 40 seasons before you have to retire. So right now I'm on year 35 and once a week I got my Twitch group. We're all in the discord channel and uh, everyone just watches me simulate a basketball game, computer versus computer for 20 minutes, 20 minute halves. And uh, yeah, we've been doing it. It's gone a long way. That story, you know, in the Washington Post references a bunch of the like weird quirks. Like some guy in Japan wrote an ebook as a fictionalized version of my video game dynasty where he like gave character depth and stuff. Then he wrote another book on it and now he's writing a third. Uh, people started Instagram accounts and someone started a Reddit page. We got a Discord now. Someone made a t shirt and was selling t shirts for one of my fictional players, Deke Van, who is a starting center on my team that won the first title. And now the series is at its sort of at its end, but I still got five more seasons. Uh, but I'm pausing it while the real tournament's going on. But now the question is, can I surpass John Wooden? He had 10 championships. I got eight. And we're in the Elite Eight right now in year 35. So, you know, last year we lost in the Elite Eight. We got a good team. I'm hyped. But we'll see if I can go down as the greatest coach of all time. It's totally up in the air. <laughs> the series just got a second win from the Washington Post. It's probably the most important Washington Post story since Watergate. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's, it's not important at all. I can't believe they wrote a story on it. But yeah, little project I've been doing. It's been fun. That's crazy. That's 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 really interesting, Ricky. Like for real, for real. You want that's, that's like dope. that is that's super dope. That's like so. That's taking a creative concept to a whole nother level. And they and them literally just honestly magnifying your concept. That's so dope to go through. I, I just wonder how 
I, I just wonder, since obviously you mentioned that the game is gone, you know, the 2K version of those games are gone. I wonder if this could help inspire bringing those games back. You know, and if they I thought bring a new one's back. coming out. I thought a new one's coming out like this year. The football game is. They're football. bringing back okay. the football okay. game. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so I wonder if they're going to bring basketball back, especially like you mentioned, now that football is coming back. I wonder if this could help inspire that movement where you can bring basketball back and, you know, maybe they can make you the initial official announcer of the next of the of the next greatest coach of all time. I mean, you never I mean, you never know. But all I know that if they do, they better run you your coin, bro, because this is bad. This is super, super uh, dope that you that you are doing. And the fact that it blew up the way that it did, man, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, it's funny. I never expected it to happen. I never expected to still be doing it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that like, you know, the people who would go on the Twitch streams and would comment on the Twitch streams, they just like kind of became my internet friends and they show up to every stream and we hang out and it's a community and people have built stuff around it. And yeah, it's cool. I feel really lucky and it feels sort of weird. And uh, I'm like, am I known for this now? Like, I need to do something better than this. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my career, or the rest of my life, but uh, it's been really fun to do. I never could have anticipated it would grow like this. And I really want to surpass John Wooden and win championships. I got the blinders on right now. Let's go. I think I got a good recruiting class last year. That's redshirting this year. We redshirt everyone. Unless you're like real good. We redshirt everyone. We've landed like, four top 10 recruits in 35 years. We're mostly working with three stars here, some four stars at Macomb in Western Illinois. Uh, but it's been fun. And the game itself is awesome. So I hope they do make another one because it has great replay content just for the recruiting aspect, you know? So. Yeah, that's that, that's pretty dope. I hope you, and I, and I hope that you will be the greatest coach of all time for sure. Um, <laughs> The, the final topic I want to top on, you know, in my area, it kind of clo hits close to home because, you know, I am officially I'm a DePaul guy now. So therefore, th this this new change that's going on in DePaul with the men's program, Dave Leto is out the door. So the Dave, Le the, Dev the Dave Leto 2.0 experiment is officially over. They're looking for a new coach. There's been reports out there about, you know, who they should potentially go after with one of them being Loyola's coach. Um, and I'm really intrigued, Ricky, since you, you know, you, you're closer to the college sports realm, you've know, you're closer, especially with the Paul and the local schools, who do you think would be an actual valuable option that the Paul may already not, they not be considering, but they really should. So they announced who they, that they were interviewing some guys, Mike Davis, the former Indiana coach, he's at Detroit Mercy right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Damon Stoudemire, they interviewed, he's coaching at somewhere pepperdine maybe somewhere in california pacific maybe yeah something pacific like that. and then kenny payne and kenny payne was john calipari's right hand man he got hired to be an assistant coach with the knicks this year i think depaul hire kenny payne i think kenny payne would be a really good hire uh first of all Dwayne Peavy, who is depaul's new ad he came from kentucky as well so I think like those guys probably know how to run a successful basketball program. Kenny Payne is known as an ace recruiter. He's the guy who, you know, recruited, uh, you know, a lot of the Kentucky guys. I don't know specifically if it was De'Aaron Fox or Bam Adebayo or Tyler Hero or, uh, you know, Malik Monk, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 
Kevin Knox. They've just had so many guys, but Kenny Payne's always been their lead recruiter. So, yeah, let's go. Give me Kenny Payne. I think he could recruit. I think it would be good to have like a younger coach. Like I don't want an old coach for DePaul. And I think that uh, someone with ties to the city would be ideal. And I don't think Kenny Payne does have ties to the city, but Kenny Payne's like an elite recruiter. And I think Chicago would love Kenny Payne. I think they'd respect him. I think Kenny Payne could walk into any gym in the city and get respect because of what he's done with Kentucky. Uh, and because like people just seem to like love him, you know? So that's where I would go if I was DePaul. Again, same thing with Illinois. You got to recruit at a high level. DePaul's actually gotten some good recruits. They got two guys in the NBA right now, and Max Struess and Paul mm -hmm. Reed. And I think Romeo Weems from this year's team might be an NBA player too. He's really good. Uh, but Leto is brutal. And for DePaul, just firing the AD, Jeannie Lynn, and firing Leto had to be done. So I'm excited for the Dwayne PV era of DePaul basketball. And, uh, yeah, this coaching hire is going to be huge. I think that uh, from the list of candidates they released today, I love where their head's at with this one. Uh, we don't need an old retread. I don't think Porter Moser is a good fit for this job, personally. Like, it's a big rebuild. Porter Moser is not going to want to do that. So DePaul needs a different type of leader. And I think that uh, Kenny Payne would be a good choice. But Seems like, you know, really the important thing is the AD, the guy who hires the coach, and PV seems great. So mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see who we can land. But I think it's an exciting time for DePaul. Finally, I think DePaul might be on the right track for a slow rebuild, which is all you can ask for. Yep, that that's that's true. And I but I also and like you mentioned though, the 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 tie, the city to the ties component, you know, ties to the city. I wish they did have that as well. Um and, but there are a couple people. I wonder, also wonder if they'd be willing to go back to maybe get a couple of players that went through their program and have done successful in the professional leagues, like a Quentin Richardson or something along those lines that, you know, they may not have coached per se or may have enough experience coaching, but they can hey, help. Coach Rod Strickland. Right. I was going to go there. Rod Strickland, too. Like someone like they've been through the program in the glory days where they were really successful and have done great in the pros. Um, I wonder, could they even consider going that route, going up that going that route as well? I mean, would you, if you were in DePaul's shoes, would you consider that option as well? Because I think that's actually a valuable option to go through as well. The other name I liked for this job is Dennis Gates, who is the Cleveland State coach. He was Quentin Richardson's teammate on Whitney Young back in the day. He wasn't quite as good of a player as Q Rich, but he's become a really good coach. Cleveland State's in the tournament, and they've been awesome both years with him as the coach. So he would be a Chicago guy who they could go get, who has coaching experience. Yeah, I think you need someone with coaching experience because Leto was so terrible at X's and O's. <laughs> like, I don't, it was just like clearly DePaul needed a new coach. So I think you need someone with coaching experience, but you also need someone who can recruit. This is every program. It's hard to find. So yeah, I do like the idea of maybe bring Q Rich more into the fold. Like, I don't know, maybe you can make him an assistant. Maybe you could give him some title within the program. Maybe you could groom him to be the coach for the future. But I don't think that Q Rich has any current head coaching experience. So I think they probably need to go with someone who does. But I like where your head's at of reaching out to some other Chicago guys, some other guys who have been through the program. Because uh, really, DePaul basketball should be a lot more respected than it is. And I think Dwayne Peavy could change it. Like, that's the type of guy you need in charge. So we'll see what happens. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who they hire. I mean, Damon Stoudemire would be kind of exciting, too. Like, I think Damon Stoudemire could walk into Simeon and get immediate respect, right? Guy who played in the league for a long time. 
he was called Mighty Mouse, right? When he was on the yeah. Raptors. So uh, I think that'd be a good hire too. Like they got some options. I, I think the important thing is that PV seems like he's going to be pretty solid in charge, at least until he proves he's not. So I trust him. It seems like he's a breath of fresh air in the program. Uh, and it's an exciting time for DePaul because of that. Yeah, we'll see what goes down, man. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. I just hope that DePaul, whomever they hire, can help really in the recruiting aspect, really help market what DePaul has to offer in and out of the city. I um, And I think that plays a role, especially talking about even with Chicago kids, um, showing them the other side of what Chicago really can be and what, how it can pertain to their lives in particular, especially if you go through DePaul. Because DePaul is a great school, has a lot to offer, and I hope they can just spin it off. I hope they'll be able to spin it off and make it work, man. Are you doing an ad for them right now? Well, sir, you, well, sir, you know where I am a DePaul grad uh, grad student. I am someone that's paying bills for that ed- for that education. I am someone that is involved in all uh, in in the student media affairs. So, therefore, yeah, I can put a little bit of a commercial here and there. I mean, this is my show. <laughs> so, shout out to DePaul real quick. You know what I'm saying? But uh, what's for you two, though, I'm going to start with you, Ken. What's next, bro? What's next? Because you, obviously you're doing big things. You got the that's, you got the Davis Show. That's Davis Show. You have Under Center Podcast. What's next in the realms, man? You got I, What you got up your sleeve that nobody know about, man? Um. Well, listen, continue to, to definitely grow Under Center, grow Flipping Friends and that Davis. I definitely got to have Ricky on. Uh, at least that that Davis show uh, to talk some 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 hoops or whatever he wants to talk about on the flip. You got to get a little bit randy uh, if you come join us on that. Uh, but uh, you know what? Other opportunities, uh, I would say similar uh, to the Under Center podcast. Also, I'm thinking about um, and I was going to wait until I really get my bearings with Under Center. I'm trying to look into doing some voice work. That's going to be I'm just trying to create more streams of income. Um, you know what I'm saying? So just, you know, you know, we having this, this downtime here, um, and working from home primarily, you know, I can just build a little space where I can get a little bit of money off of this voice. So more stuff. I hope maybe I'll say this. I, I want to have definitely podcasts, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind outside of sports, uh, to even perhaps like do urban radio, but cause I would want to do it in my, my, my way though. And I don't know if I'm necessarily the type of person uh, I can be silly, uh, but also it's going to be somewhat serious. And I don't know if they want that type of serious on their airwaves. Uh, but yeah, that's those are probably the ways. Just looking at other opportunities. I, I was talking to uh, at uh, ICB Pete Ferrari, uh, who always looked out for Demise and myself. And he's always send me opportunities. Uh, he hooked me up with this guy that works as a serious uh, the satellite that I need to get in contact with. So just looking at other other lanes, other opportunities, other places to fit in. Um, and hopefully, you know what I'm saying? I'll be blessed to get those opportunities, but just keep grinding. I mean, that's all grind. We all know the grind. It may not pay off when you think it's going to pay off, but if you stick to it, it's going to pay off. Yeah, that's real. Most definitely. And you know, you're for sure. You're a prime example of that to see where we, where we started all the way up to where you are. And now, man, that's, that's, that's real. So keep doing what you're doing. Obviously you're going to get, I know you're going to get those, those opportunities, those blessings, those calls, the full nine yards. Just could just you know keep doing what you're doing, continue to be a mentor and a big brother to me, and just don't forget about me when you really take that extra level and you're making millions of dollars. Uh, well, Rick, I, 
I appreciate you one. And let me, Ricky, you don't know this. So he, I think it was like New Year's he interviewed me and he never posted it on his own see, social media. See, why you gotta do that, man? But now I, do I can get posted <laughs> be leaving someone. I never will leave you. You always keep the brothers. That's not, I, I would hate, I'll say this real quick. I'm sorry, Ricky. I would hate to have that attached to my name. And it's something that I think about a lot is not being that person. Because here in Chicago, there have been too many people who have come on our shows and have been just mentors, supporters, you know, it's so how can I not be that same way? I, I would be a foul person if I live my life that way. Yeah, most definitely you have. And I really do appreciate that for real. Um, Ricky, what you got coming up next, man? What you got up your sleeve? I know you obviously probably covering the March madness and things of that sort. Um, but what, what else is coming? What, what else you got going on that we should be aware of and, and be really paying attention to? Yeah, I got a Bulls podcast called Cash Considerations. It's the uh, Bulls podcast for Bulls fans who hate the team. So, uh, you know, we got a. They fired Garpax. We wanted them to fire Garpax. Garpax is gone. Maybe I got to start a Fire Iron Pace podcast at this point. But uh, doing the Bulls podcast, you can check out Cash Considerations. I do that with Jason Pat. And then right in SB Nation, you can find my work on College Hoops there and uh, still doing this silly little western illinois dynasty for a few more years of video game time so uh you can check in on that as well at espionation.com yeah that's dope and everybody you can continue to follow me on social media instagram and twitter at josh m hicks media and follow war media all, on all platforms twitter instagram subscribe hit that subscribe button on youtube apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, warren anchor you name it. We're all over the place and we're all, and we're all doing great things, just like these two special guests that came on my show this, on, uh, today to talk all things Bears, all things March Madness, all things college hoops, and the importance of playing video games because she can make you famous for one day. Um, <laughs> that being said, man. That's the lowest fame bar I've ever heard, man. Have a, we got to have a higher bar than me. I'm not famous. I'm just a guy. <laughs> you stayed in the trend, Ricky. You stayed in the trend. Uh, that being said, though, man, thank you guys both for coming on my show. Really appreciate it. And let's keep up with this. I want to see how y'all do with this March Madness. Just like, you know, we're going to be keep we're going to be keeping in touch with that because I don't know if y'all throwing bets, but, you know, the one that we in, there's a little bit of a money draw in here. So we got to figure I got to I got to win my cash. I got to win my cash. Kyle knows what's up with that. <laughs> um, shout out to Kyle and the, and the War Media family. Shout out to uh, Dave, the Dave, that's David Show, Ryan Bukovetsky, those guys doing doing big things, and obviously, um, my other brother from another brother, uh, mother, mentor, and all. D, shout out to Demons. Um, I know he's doing his thing now that he ain't with the show no more, but he's you know he's still he's still family for sure. Um, if, if it wasn't for him bringing me into all this, I wouldn't be able to know any of you guys. So that real talk. Uh, shout out to D for, for that. life, for real. Um. Anyways, though, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Um, and you guys enjoy the rest of y'all evenings. You too, man. Y'all have a good one. Later, guys.